entirely appropriate that I should say, call myself an artist when I have those associations. I uh, think that uh, there's great pretension about uh, artistry, and uh, perhaps I, uh, it's out of my respect for uh, what it means to be an artist that I uh, don't choose to call myself one because I think it's not something that's easily come by. And uh, in the theater, just because, uh, you know, you see the same kind of uh, very uh, practical uh, monetary considerations governing uh, theatrical enterprise here. And uh, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, I've seen, I've seen uh, artistry on television, to my way of thinking. Uh, I've seen the spirit of uh, what I think is uh, artistry, ded dedication, and beauty. You just hate to see the word uh, promiscuously used. Uh, the yeah. word artist doesn't uh, say big ads, the word colossal. You use the word interpreter, it's interesting. An interpreter, in, in contrast to a creative uh, figure, yet something occurs to me, you like jazz, don't you? I know that you, you like good jazz. Yeah, I really don't have a good enough ear to know what is uh, there. It's very difficult for, uh, for me to communicate with uh, jazz in a really fine way. I, of course, appreciate it, but I am not musically educated, nor am I attuned enough to be able to Marlon, understand. Marlon, I was, I was leading up to something. Yeah, please, no, please you, 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 you like jazz. It, we know the nature of jazz involves a great deal of improvisation. We know this when you uh, see a bassy bandit, hear a bassy bandit work, or the, or the modern um, jazz quartet, whatever. There's a great deal, there's something written, yet we know there are holes whereby the man who interprets also creates when the guy takes his solos. So here's a question of improvisation, yet your technique as an actor involves this too, does it not? When you directed One-Eyed Jacks, you allowed your cast to improvise a great deal. This is, I assume, unorthodox in the making of a film. Isn't there a relation between the two here? Here's a guy, in other words, your interpretation of acting involves creating as well as interpreting. Yes, I suppose so. I, I don't mean to mince, uh, mince words about it. I think certainly the actor uh, is obliged to make a creative contribution. Uh, I think that the, that the actor has to borrow the form of the uh, writer to uh, bring his, uh, his contributions to life. And uh, I, I th certainly think that he is a creator, and I don't mean to imply that he is not, well, or that he, at least that he can be a creator. So very often he is not. Now, I was thinking of the fact that you your liking of jazz, again, perhaps I reach. This is one of my flaws. <laughs> By the way, you, you're, you're very good well, for me to interview because you point out if flaws. You never, if you good. never reach, you never fall on your face. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I like is in this conversation is that you, your insight into not only yourself but into me to a great extent, too, uh, the flaw that I, I have a tendency, I know this, this is a confession, parenthetical, of reaching sometimes to make a point and of overreaching. And I say, I, I may be doing it now, and I say, one of the, I think your liking jazz is quite natural because your acting is jazz, if I may use this phrase, as a jazz technique, call it what you will, but the, the similar technique is used in that the improvisation calling upon whatever source within you. I don't think that's true. I think that uh, the technique that I use uh, is uh, primarily an intuitive one and can be seen uh, many, many places in the world in many, many different uh, circumstances. Um, for instance, uh, uh, Eleanor Duza is uh, a woman who, contrasted with Sarah Bernhardt, used the technique of uh, feeling and the participation of her emotions and her intuitions in uh, her acting. Uh, a man by the name of Alfonso Bedoya, 
who played in the Treasure of Sierra Madre. He played the bandit, gave a spectacular, intuitive performance. He played... Uh, yeah, with the big hat. The gold hat, yes, that was his... Uh, wonderful performance. Never been... Uh, he doesn't know Stanislavski from, uh, from uh, hamburger or uh, hot tamale. And... Uh, but he gave a marvelous performance. This fellow that played in Bicycle Thief. Certainly not an actor. So... Uh, uh, it's, uh, I think, readily uh, discernible that people... Uh, that it's, a, it's an ordinary technique, and it's not limited to... Well, I suppose you could... It, it, it is, if what Sarah, uh, rather, uh, I don't know, Duza did is jazz, then I suppose what I did is jazz, too, and perhaps it's, a, it's an accurate phrase. I wanted to ask you a question, though. You sit and you ask uh, many questions, and it's so often... Uh, uh, as so often is the case, we get no impression of you as a person. We don't know what goes on uh, in your mind, and you are of uh, enormous uh, influence and uh, uh, vital concern to many people and many listeners. And uh, uh, I think that, that uh, it perhaps is not inappropriate that I ask you a few questions about yourself. And, and <laughs> this might startle you, but I think that you... In, in the spirit of communication, you have uh, also an obligation to, to uh, uh, perhaps uh, describe some of your feelings and uh, your points of view. And I was wondering, what is it about this particular kind of work uh, that interests you? Why do you? Why are you preoccupied with these these questions? Uh, what is uh, the nature of your your search and your your furrowing out this information from people of all kinds and all? Uh, all manner. What what kind of contribution does it make to you as a person? <laughs> this is a reversal. It's a good question, Marlon Brando. I don't know. I suppose curiosity. I don't know. And there's a danger. This is a danger uh, that I have of being too glib. I've got to watch this. Curiosity, I suppose. It's an easy way of saying it. I think in a way, in a way, in an indirect way, I can find out a little about myself, too. And again, this is also a dangerous uh, way out. I'm inquisitive and curious, not a peeping Tom. This is interesting. You might, you, you might be interested in this. I've never, uh, uh, I've never asked questions that would in any sense invade the privacy of a person. I don't think that's important. A man's personal life. Uh, an actor's, a painter's, a musician's personal is of no meaning to me. That is personal uh, peccadillos or strengths. But his art is, I think we find out more about the guy, the man, the artist, using this phrase again uh, carefully, through his work. More about him through his work we can find out personally than, than uh, does he drink a lot or does he go out with women a lot. That's of no significance to me. Just a little anecdote might be in order. Uh, if I may, just a little anecdote involving Diana Barrymore at the time she was in Suddenly Last Summer. And I remember the interview, and I was much taken with the manner in which she played this role. I was really impressed with it very much. Someone along the line says, aren't you going to ask me about, and I forgot what it was, a personal question. I said, no, it's not my concern. It's none of my business, and it's not the business of my listeners. But you as, a, as an actress are. But that's about the only way I can... I can I'm not answering your question, Marlon, and yet perhaps I am in a way. I, I enjoy this work as much as one can within the framework in which we live. Other things I'd like to do is the form of confession. Now, let me, yet, yeah. I'd like to point out something. 
you see, when I ask you a simple question such as, uh, please describe what it is that you feel about uh, and, and what the reasons are that you do it, you find yourself, uh, I, I've noticed, uh, tense and uh, uh, concerned and perhaps a little confused and a little uh, un unsettled by the question. And I, I, I mean to point out, I think this, this bears very, very importantly on what we were talking about before, of how difficult it is really to ascertain uh, the nature of what we do. It's, it's very difficult. When you ask me a question about something, I really have to, uh, you know, I can give you a glib answer and I can just suddenly start talking and uh, spieling. But if I want to answer the question honestly, uh, I have to uh, really search in my mind. And the questions that I, uh, you could ask me a question, uh, most of the questions you've asked me, I have uh, asked myself before. Uh, the subjects uh, I've approached, I've asked myself before, so I've come up with an answer. And whether it's right or wrong, you know, history will bear out or further inspection will uh, corroborate or uh, not. But uh, you could, uh, yesterday, when these children asked me a question in this uh, uh, downstairs, I was stymied. Uh, I, a couple of times they said, Did, what do you, uh, I had to say, well, I, I never thought of that before. I, uh, I, uh, mm, uh, I don't know. I'd say I don't know, but uh, but I'm sure uh, in this illustration we find that that when someone that you're interviewing suddenly turns around and asks you a question, it's you have to do a great deal of communication with yourself. Suddenly, you ha a whole uh, system of uh, of uh, of uh, finding and uh, inspection and search begins. And uh, uh, I think that it's useful uh, to uh, perhaps to observe that it is not easy for any of us, when we are asked the simplest question, to give a simple answer. I think we can give a simple answer if we're pretending. So that now, now the answer, the glib answer, could use curiosity. I find people exciting and use a phrase I'm no longer going to use as often as I have in the past. Interesting human beings, again, cliches. This is easy. Yeah. But you did. I think I've happily fallen into your pattern here. I think this is, I think I have, and I think it's good for me that I have. Because I noticed you yesterday, again, this is what impressed me very much, just this point. You could have been glib in answering the students yesterday, the high school editors, but you actually were taken. One, for instance, the question about the theme of success. This is talked about a great deal, material success. And yet you, you, you spoke of the classic case, the tragic case of Marilyn Monroe, whom you knew. This is a classic case. And of, of a sense, there's a great deal of meaninglessness to it. Yet the kid said to you, remember there was a tall Negro kid got up and said, would you change places with us if you feel this way about it? And you were stymied for a moment. Remember that? I remember today. I was thinking about, about today. Uh, there's another interesting... Um, uh, area that seems to come up in uh, in this discussion, and I've noticed that uh, recently read that uh, the uh, members of the military forces who are directly instrumental in the uh, setting off of atomic uh, uh, warheads have to be people who are have to pass very strong and stringent and exhaustive psychological tests. To realize and to to make makes absolutely sure that it will not fall uh, to the decision 
or the decision will not uh, fall to a man who is emotionally unstable. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yes, what does it mean, emotionally unstable? By their, their own standards, by the standards of the army, not by uh, the standards of, uh, uh, of anyone else. What they employ uh, psychiatrists and psychologists to, uh, uh, to uh, investigate these people. Now, I think with that, we begin to see the encroachment of scientific investigation uh, as it is properly applied and perhaps should be properly applied to our governmental figures. Now, we examine the life of Bobby Kennedy, and let us say uh, that Mr. he is out to get Mr. Hoffa. Now, let us say that he is not out to get Mr. Hoffa. Or he is, he is out to get the, the, the uh, what do they call it, the, uh, uh, the mafia, not the mafia, the, uh, syndicate. the syndicate. The syndicate. He wants to get the syndicate. Now, how much of a personal challenge, how much of his personal feelings is involved in that, and how much is, uh, is it um, just a reasonable, cold heart, intellectual task that uh, confronts him? Uh, it's something that only he can uh, he can ask, but we can ask make ask, uh, we can ascertain to a certain extent. There must be something personal about it. Jimmy Hoffa's defense of himself certainly is not completely the defense of his union. Uh, it's not his defense of Dave Beck or the principles of labor. Certainly, there are uh, he, he's defending other issues, lateral issues, hidden issues that we don't see. Uh, Mr. Khrushchev and Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. De Gaulle, Mr. McMillan, uh, President Kennedy, are all people who are very human, perhaps all too human, uh, in face of the most incredible responsibilities and the most awesome decisions that they have to make in this world. And uh, uh, it, doesn't seem, it doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility or usefulness that a man like uh, Senator Talmadge or Senator Ellender uh, who are notable, uh, who are people notable for their... Uh, uh, Segregationist. Their, well, yes, their beliefs and their politics uh, tempered by uh, uh, their, uh, their political locations in this country. Or people like Senator McCarthy. Uh, that it would be valuable to examine them. It would be valuable to see what an examination of Senator McCarthy might produce, or Mr. John Bircher, or um, Whitaker Chambers, or um, Paul Robeson, or uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad. Uh, what is in the nature of these people that makes them leaders? Now, we are not so naive in America now as to believe, we intuitively know it, but we are not so naive as to believe that Richard Nixon is devoid of feeling. When he went to, before the press, he made an enormous political error. And uh, he uh, showed himself uh, uh, a weakness that perhaps might have been dangerous had he been the president of the United States and been faced with the challenge of uh, uh, Cuba. Uh, he showed that he was a man of uh, uh, emotional vehemence and uh, 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 a, a kind of an emotional quality that, they, that he had heretofore denied. Uh, but we saw it. We saw it in his face. Uh, we, uh, some people are more controlled than others. Uh, we don't know what extent Mr. Kennedy makes an emotional decision. 
We don't know if he ever says, well, for God's sake, what's the matter with you out there? Well, why can't you do it? We don't know what he said to the governor when, uh, of Mississippi over the telephone. We don't know what emotions went surging and coursing through him. But what we do know is that the world is filled with atomic bombs today and that the unexamined life uh, of a politician is a dangerous life and that irresponsible and uh, a people uh, unprepared, uh, uh, people who are unprepared uh, to handle situations cannot afford, uh, we cannot afford the luxury of their indulgence in uh, positions that they do not rightfully belong in. And uh, I think in that respect that science is slowly coming now to point the arrow home. Uh, there are two points you've made here, Marlon, uh, that to me are at the moment, they seem unrelated, and yet to me, they're almost mucilage tight. You spoke of the unexamined life earlier. You spoke of the unexamined life not being worth living. And today, you spoke of the unexamined life of the politician, the man in power, being a perilous thing to all of us, what with the world being filled with atom bombs. That's one point. And earlier, you spoke of emotional instability, tests being made by the army to see that emotionally unstable men do not handle warheads. And I'm thinking of a case. Uh, you may not have heard of this man. His name is Claude Etherly. He was a major who was the navigator of the Enola Gray that he gave the order for the bomb to be dropped on Hiroshima. Since that day, something has happened to Major Etherly. Uh, he, he, he was so disturbed, his conscience, in fact, the name of his book is Burning Conscience, was such that he, he, he could not sleep. He felt guilty. He went around the country speaking against nuclear armaments, and it was decided he is emotionally unstable. He was institutionalized. He may still be in Waco, Texas. Now, I'm wondering, by whose standards is he, whose conscience is so sharp on this matter, why is he emotionally unstable? And those who say, poor man, why are they emotionally stable? And if their conscience is not affected by this. So I'm wondering, whose life remains to be examined? Shouldn't we, the men on the street ourselves, examine our own lives? Isn't it equally as perilous for our lives being examined today, too, both the politicians? Well, I don't suppose it's any more important for us now than it ever was, or I don't suppose proportionately more people are examining their lives now than they ever were before. Uh, there are some people who stand head and shoulders above the others and above the rest of us because they, for one reason or another, are obliged to... Uh, find these insights at whatever cost it is to themselves and the world around them. Uh, but uh, I certainly think it behooves everyone to, uh, to do that, but not all of us are disposed that way. But uh, in times such as this, uh, in relation to uh, Mr. What, what was Eitherly. it? Eitherly, yes, I was, uh, I was, uh, I read several articles about him. Uh, I don't think actually that his, uh, that that uh, crisis that he came to was a result of his having dropped the bomb. I felt that, I feel certainly that, that was a part of it, but that was probably just the form that his uh, anxiety took. Uh, it certainly helped, but uh, I think that, that whatever difficulty he had and whatever complexes uh, developed came from a much, much earlier time. But uh, certainly, we uh, 
will have to uh, examine our politicians. They will have to examine themselves, and we will have to examine them much more closely, because the responsibility of the politician is much greater today than it ever was. And uh, I think that these influences slowly will make their concentric influences all felt all over the world. And I think the day uh, eventually will come when uh, uh, men like Khrushchev, Mao Zedong, uh, Sakano, uh, Sigmund Rhee, Chiang Kai-shek, uh, De Gaulle, all of these men, uh, in whatever time we find them, will be men of uh, uh, men chosen more carefully through examination of themselves and examination of the peoples because of the responsibility, because of the enormous responsibility that they uh, hold. Marlon, remember the remember what you said earlier. Uh, I agree with what you say. Remember you said something earlier about seeking the enemy without, how much easier to seek the enemy without, you know, and I'm coming now to us, you, me, everybody, we of the free world. What about us? You see, we must examine our lives and our, I know I sound self, self-righteous, but self-righteousness is our danger as well as the other sides too. Well, yes, but I think that uh, that, that kind of knowledge and depth is uh, reserved only for a few special people who are willing to go through, to make the journey through the night sea, as someone once said it, to find one's centers. And whether it is uh, found through uh, the investigations or the applications of uh, the mystique of Zen Buddhism or psychoanalysis or uh, uh, some other active, vital, inspecting, technique or philosophy, uh, they will find it. But I think it's too optimistic to, to suppose. I don't think that history ever indicates that people en masse are uh, willing to make that enormous sacrifice. But I'm coming back again to this matter of the uh, life having a meaning, really, for all of us, even, even the most doltish of men. Well, life is always uh, given meaning by people, uh, whether it's... Uh, having a lot of money or uh, being sexually virulent or uh, (laughs) I don't mean virulent I mean virile well virulent Uh, virulent can can at times be (laughs) intermingled I'm sure in our day you know which we dramatize it so well and glamorize it or having power a status symbol or a lot of uh, property or influence or whatever it is that whatever it is that symbolizes uh, success and meaning for people, uh, people go on pursuing it. I think that, uh, that it is now clear there are certain techniques uh, that have been, uh, been developed and are being developed, uh, applied to the human being, perhaps offers a, a fairer explanation and um, uh, a more useful one as to what he is and how he works and why he works. We constantly are are uh, reminded that uh, criminals and uh, uh, people of misfortune of that kind are uh, being examined from the point of view of being ill, not from the point of view of being sick. And uh, gradually those experiments and their findings come down to 
the everyday uh, level, of course, which is always dangerous too. I think this uh, that uh, yeah, this um, sort of preoccupation with the psyche and this uh, this uh, I, fo I, I, fo I follow what you're saying. See, the reason, there's a tangential reason I'd raise this. Yesterday in speaking to the high school students, we spoke of uh, you, 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 they ask you about one of, whom do you, whom, who are your favorite directors? And you mentioned the Japanese director, Kurosawa. And I was delighted when you, you, you mentioned the film Ikiru. Here's a perfect case of a director. And I, the central figure is seeking the meaning of life. He wants, what, the man is dying of cancer. He is a, a civil servant. He has a job of not much meaning. And suddenly has six months to live. And what the hell is life all about? And it was such a beautiful, magnificent thing. And you were moved as I was. And I'm sure a great many were who saw it. That, that's what he's saying in a way. What the hell is the meaning of life? What does it mean? And this, I think, is a picture that's so universal in its impact. It applies today even more than ever because time will be very short unless we, all of us, I, I, this is my own personal feeling, it's connected with this great work of art to me and you pointed it out yesterday. That's why, in a way, in my mind, these indirect questions were all part of one bundle, really. Well, why were you moved by that film? Well, I was moved by the, uh, the display of character that this man had that by his bravery and his his refinements as a person, uh, how little how little it's it was uh, for him to want to make a a municipal recreation area for children, uh, but that was in his last moments of life uh, his glory, and there was something very touching about that. Uh, the man was purified, and he became whole and dedicated. And I think wherever we see that kind of dedication, it's uh, moving to us. It gave his life a meaning too, though, didn't it? A man who was a cipher till then, seemingly a cipher till well, then. Well, let us not say it gave his life a meaning, but it gave his life more meaning. Uh, all our lives have meaning. Your life uh, as, uh, as an interviewer, as someone who was uh, curious about uh, the common point of view and the esoteric point of view, uh, the secretary who sits across the room talking on the telephone has a meaning to her life. I have a meaning to my uh, life, uh, uh, diversified as it, as it might be. But uh, how much that meaning is valuable to us, I think, varies from person to person. How real uh, our meanings are to ourselves, I think, varies from person to person. And there's no way to, to judge that. I can't judge the realness or the usefulness that your meaning has for you, and it's difficult for you to judge that for me. It's something that, because we're different organisms, uh, it's something we must judge for ourselves. On the subject of meaning, this is just a free association, a word meaning, meaningful. Yesterday, in speaking to the students, you said there are certain roles you seek. Uh, you you rec receive many offers, of course, roles that are meaningful to you. And I know that you're... Uh, you're very much involved, I believe, I, I suspect, emotionally as well as artistically with the film The Ugly American that will be opening in Chicago soon. The, you, you chose this film, a role in this film, rather than, I'm sure, you, you rejected a great many offers. Why? Well, I felt that it was, um, there were many comments that uh, 
and many uh, many things that I felt convinced about that I would like to articulate, many sentiments and observations that I felt a kinship with uh, that were contained in this drama, certainly not all, many of them I disagree with, and some I wish uh, had been uh, more and some I wish had been less. But nevertheless, the, uh, the total impression of the film does uh, share to a great extent my personal feelings, as well as George's and uh, Mel Tucker's and uh, Stuart Stern's. This was a picture made in concert. Point out George's, George England, the, the producer-director of the film. Yes, and uh, Stuart, was the, Stuart Stern was the writer, Mel Tucker was the producer. And uh, that was why I, I chose this film. Actually, it wasn't the, uh, the, uh, the part so much as it was the, uh, the film itself. Here again, meaning, see. Well, again, you are, I know you, you may disagree, and I, it's very interesting, I sense this. You don't mind my saying this, a personal comment. Whenever I speak of your art, you say you're not an artist or your skill or your craft, you shy from it, so I won't ask this, because you, you are obviously, I sense this, and I think clearly you're a man who probes continuously. But I'm, I know our time is short, you have to catch a plane soon to go elsewhere, but I cannot help but still be moved by you and the high school students. Uh, you yourself, you, you're aware that your life, your, your work on screen has had tremendous impact on young people through the years. And as far as I'm concerned, very much for the better. Whether they be rebellious or what, I think they question in their own way, each does in his own way. But something that happened toward the end, when you yourself, you, you, you were uh, quite surprised by the questions asked by the students. You had expected, as you said, you know, the squealing kids and the questions to a great extent were pertinent, were thoughtful. And then you said that somewhere along the line you had lost connection with this generation, as indeed I have. There's a new generation coming up, I feel. Uh, what, can you remember your reactions to yesterday as well as this reflect your feelings about the young 17, 18 year old kids today and how they would differ? I'm older than you, but with your when you were 17, 18, and I know my parents. How they differ is something I don't know, and that, uh, that's a result of the ineffable distance between one age and another. Uh, if it were easy to communicate with another age, then we'd never have any trouble with learning, because all that was ever written, uh, all that was ever useful, has been written, rather, and is, uh, is certainly... Uh, uh, accessible in literature and art and philosophy, but uh, we read it and we might as well be reading hieroglyphics because you can't learn how to live except through living and you can't communicate uh, things that you've learned uh, in any way. Everybody has to learn it for themselves and it's just hopeless to try and cram down the, uh, or cram into the brains of others. First of all, we don't have any right uh, uh, to do that, I don't think, to invade the, uh, the minds of others. I think everyone has certainly a right and a duty to uh, come to their own conclusions. But uh, I was impressed by the fact that, that at one time I was, in some respect, a hero of uh, the young, and now I am not. Uh, someone else has taken my place because I've gone beyond. I'm no longer a teenage symbol. 
and uh, someone else has done it. But there again, they have their own, uh, their own gods, their own worshippers, uh, their own heroes. 